welcome to the Corny and Lind Legal Chatter Podcast, where we discuss different but likely scenarios, provide general legal information, and get to know our lawyers. Please note that this podcast series does not provide or intends to provide legal advice. Hello and welcome to another episode of Corny and Lynn's Legal Chatter. My name is Irvin and I'm a graduate law clerk here. On today's episode, I'm with uh, Simon Mason, one of our associates here, uh, to talk about applying for a partner visa for long-term unlawful applicants. So to start off, Simon, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself and uh, why this topic is so important. Uh, Thank you, Irvin. It's a pleasure to be here with you today. And uh, that's right, yeah, today on the podcast, we do want to have a look at some of the pathways that could be available for individuals that have been in the Australian community and have been unlawful for an extended period of time. Now, when we say unlawful, what we mean is that they haven't held a valid visa uh, or aren't currently holding a valid visa and may not have held a valid visa for for quite a long period of time. Now, the reason that this occurred could be for any number of different reasons. It could have been because their previous visa expired and for whatever reason, they didn't apply for another visa within the right time frame. Alternatively, they could have had a circumstance where they applied for a visa, but the visa was refused. Or it could have been the case, and this is quite rare, but it does happen from time to time, that the previous visa that they held was cancelled for one one of a number of different reasons. Whatever the case, the the key factor is that we're talking about the options available for individuals who've been in the Australian community for a number of years, but do not currently hold a, a valid substantive visa. Now, not holding a valid substantive visa can raise a number of, con- of really significant concerns. First of all, if your previous visa has been refused or has been cancelled, you're going to be subject to something known as the Section 48 bar. The Section 48 bar means that if you've been refused or cancelled a visa, you cannot apply for another substantive visa in Australia until you've departed and applied uh, and applied for and been granted a fresh visa that you've then arrived Uh, that you've then used to arrive in Australia. So that section 48 bar, that's a fairly strict prohibition against applying for another substantive visa for individuals who've who've experienced a refusal or cancellation. Now, for that reason, the section 48 bar means for a lot of individuals, if they do have a refusal or a cancellation, they do need to consider their options fairly seriously in terms of departing Australia to apply for another visa. Uh, If you have experienced a refusal or a cancellation and it's within a couple of weeks of that initial decision being issued to you, certainly that's something that you should seek uh, legal advice on because there may be some options to have that decision reviewed. Or alternatively, uh, it could be that there's a pathway for you to make a request to the minister for something known as ministerial intervention. Now, for many individuals who've been in the community for a long period of time, 
those particular review or intervention pathways won't be available and the key impact of section 48 will be that currently they're not in a position to apply for another visa. Additionally, for individuals who've been in the community for a long period of time and not held a visa, they're going to have some issues because the Australian migration scheme only allows you to apply for a fresh substantive visa while you hold a current substantive visa or alternatively in some cases it may allow you to apply within 28 days of having previously held a substantive visa. That means if you've neglected to pay attention to your expiry date or alternatively if you've um, <laughs> for whatever reason you, you've missed a key date because perhaps you were in a remote area or perhaps your internet wasn't working and for whatever reason circumstance happened and you've, you've missed the expiry date generally there's a few options within 28 days of that visa ceasing for you to apply for another substantive visa so to recap for individuals in the community without a substantive visa who may have been here for quite a period of time oftentimes there's going to be two major issues in moving forwards. Issue number one will be that they're subject or likely to be subject to a section 48 bar through having held a previous refusal or cancellation and secondly they are most certainly subject to the criteria that requires them to have held a substantive visa or a substantive visa within the last 28 days in order to apply for a fresh visa. So for that reason individuals in this particular case are going to be quite constrained about the options that they have moving forwards. So Simon, what are some of the options for someone who may potentially be, let's say, an unlawful applicant? Yeah, so the correct term there is an unlawful non-citizen. So that is someone who's not a citizen of Australia or a visa holder. And unlawful basically means that they don't currently hold a visa that allows them to remain lawfully in Australia. So for individuals in that case, if they were to present and we were to look at their circumstances, the first question we'd be asking is, well, how did you become unlawful? Primarily what we'd want to address there is whether or not there's a section 48 bar. The second issue that we'd be looking at is how long has it been since you've held a substantive visa? Uh, that could be, it could be if it's only been a very short period of time since your last visa ceased, that there are some good options there and we'd want to look at whether that's something to explore. However, what we do find from time to time is that individuals can have circumstances where they've been in the community for a long period of time without having held a substantive visa. If this occurs, there are very, very limited circumstance, limited pathways available. So let's have a look at some of those pathways. The first one that's going to be of most interest to a lot of folks is what's known as the onshore partner visa, subclass 820 with a schedule three waiver. So let's break that down. So the specific visa that we're looking at there is the partner visa that can be applied for when the visa applicant is onshore in Australia. That is the subclass 820. Now, ordinarily, a partner visa looks at a number of set criteria, primarily identifying whether or not the visa applicant is in a genuine ongoing relationship with the sponsor applicant who needs to be an Australian citizen or permanent resident. 
that inquiry forms the basis of the criteria for the partner visa. In effect, the case officer is going to need to be satisfied that there's a genuine and ongoing relationship on the basis of a consideration of the individual's narrative, that is to say the story of their relationship, their financial circumstances, which is to say the circumstances around how they arrange their finances, whether they have any joint financial obligations, whether it's clear that they're living together as a, as a couple in, in the way that they navigate their finances, the social aspects of their relationship, which is going to look at how the, how the couple present their relationship to the wider world, the household aspects of the relationship, which looks to the, the key factors that indicate that the couple have been residing together and intend to continue residing together into the future. And lastly, the case officer is going to look at the commitment, ongoing commitment to a life together. This is a point in time consideration of the couple's commitment to live together and remain together into the future. Now, obviously a case officer can't make an assessment of whether the couple will remain together, but they can certainly look at the different characteristics of the relationship that suggest that the couple are setting themselves up for a life together. Now, all these aspects combined are going to be determinative of whether the case officer is satisfied that the couple are in a genuine and ongoing relationship. That really is the basis for the onshore partner visa. Now, in addition, a case officer is going to want to be satisfied that there's no health concerns in relation to the visa applicant. There's no character concerns in relation to the visa applicant. There's no character concerns in relation to the sponsor applicant. And there's a few other complications too in terms of whether or not the sponsor applicants previously sponsored someone before. But in effect, what we've just described there is the criteria set that's under consideration when a case officer is looking at the standard onshore partner visa. Now, here's where it gets critically important. For individuals who've been onshore as unlawful non-citizens for a long period of time, in addition to the base criteria for the onshore partner visa, the case officer also needs to be satisfied as to something called a Schedule 3 waiver. Now, in effect, the criteria requires that the, that the partner visa be applied for within a particular time frame, but provides a waiver, hence the Schedule 3 waiver, if there are compelling circumstances that the minister can take into account in considering whether to waive those, the, 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 the circumstances that must be in place when the visa is applied for. This is really critical because it allows someone who's been unlawfully in the Australian community, in some cases for up to 15 years, maybe they were previously refused, maybe they were previously cancelled, maybe for that entire 15 year period they haven't held a visa or they haven't even made any attempts to apply for a visa. Maybe they've just allowed their circumstances to continue on and they've remained unlawful for a long period of time there is still a potential pathway for individuals in that category to regularize themselves if they can demonstrate compelling circumstances 
sufficient for the minister to waive that criteria that would ordinarily require them to apply while they were while they were lawful. So let's open that up and break down what's re what's required to be addressed for a Schedule Three waiver. What constitutes compelling grounds? Well, in effect, compelling grounds uh, is not a term that is defined in the Act. It's defined in some part by the policy, but it also has been defined in some part through a body of case law that's arisen around this particular criteria point. Now, given that there is quite a large number of individuals that are unlawful non-citizens in the Australian community, and given that quite a large number of people do apply for the partner visa every year, at present there's about 70,000 grants allocated under the permanent migration cap, there is actually a fairly high percentage of people that will be actually looking to meet this, this precise criteria point. So it's worth exploring at some depth, especially if you are one of the individuals who's been unlawful for a long period of, long period of time, it's going to be of interest to you whether or not your precise circumstances will be sufficient to enliven that pathway. So in determining compelling, one of the primary concerns the case officer is going to look at is whether or not there are children of the relationship. The rights of a child, as enshrined under the Convention on the Rights of the Child, are to be given in all discretionary decisions foremost consideration. What that means is if you're in a circumstance where you've had a child with your partner who's an Australian citizen and the only option for you to be re permanently reunited lawfully with your partner is to leave Australia and then potentially have to apply for a visa offshore to reunite with your partner, that's a huge inconvenience and the compelling grounds, or the, or the, the Schedule 3 waiver, the, compe the compelling grounds to apply for the visa, specifically contemplates that circumstance and notes that if a child would be uh, effectively denied the ability to reside with their parent for a long period of time because of the migration, because of these rules, that's a compelling circumstance that the minister can take into account in considering whether to apply the Schedule 3 waiver. So, what that means is children that have been born are going to be given consider, you know, the rights of the child are going to be given consideration. Now, this gets stronger the older the children are, the more children there are of the relationship, and potentially the more vulnerable the children are to having had one parent basically uh, have, to, have to depart Australia and apply offshore. However, if it looks as though the sponsor applicant or the visa applicant have deliberately set out to have a child of the relationship for the purpose of manufacturing compelling grounds, there's actually case law that indicates that the, that the case officer shouldn't take that into account because it appears to be an effort to, to manufacture an outcome. Circumstances where this might be relevant is where it's quite clear that a pregnancy has been sought or achieved uh, immediately after there's been an unlawful event or, you know, there's, or the relationship is, is of a quite a short period of time and it appears as though the pregnancy has happened quite early on in the relationship. Now, obviously this raises some very interesting questions here about how a case officer determines genuineness. Certainly, uh, the approaches of the case officers in most of these type of circumstances has been to look at the full facts of the, of 
of the application to determine whether or not it appears as though a migration outcome is being manufactured or whether there is actually a genuine relationship with a genuine uh, or a, a bona fide or good faith um, pregnancy as a result of, of the relationship. So that's going to be the primary factor there, which is basically, are there any children of the relationship that would be adversely affected if the Schedule 3 waiver wasn't applied? So that's point number one. Additional points that the case officers are going to look at is the length of the relationship. Now, under the law, any relationship over, over three years without children or two years with children is considered to be a long-term relationship. Having said that, the longer term a relationship is, the more persuasive it is and the more likely you'll find that the case officer will, will hold that to be a compelling circumstance. Additionally, the case officer is going to want to explore how the individual became unlawful in the first instance. If it can be demonstrated that the unlawfulness occurred due to, result, due to factors that were outside of the uh, visa applicant's control, that's going to basically assist in establishing those compelling circumstances. For instance, we had a case uh, a couple years ago where the visa applicant was a young, young woman. She was 23. Uh, she was pregnant, she'd been married for four years, but the reason why she'd become unlawful was because at the time she was the secondary applicant to a parent, to a parent's visa that was refused and then her parents had not departed the country. Now she'd been unlawful in the community for upwards of eight years, but crucially because she was a minor when she became unlawful, the case officer took that into account in considering whether there were compelling circumstances and they gave that quite a bit of weight. So we, we, were, we were very pleased with that outcome. So in addition to the factors mentioned, children, length of the relationship, the reason for becoming unlawful, the case officer is also going to look at other extraneous factors that might be compelling. This could include whether or not the Australian citizen or permanent resident uh, needs ongoing care whether they have a health condition that could be inflamed by the departure of the visa applicant, whether the Australian citizen or permanent resident has a mental health issue, or perhaps has a particular fragility that may cause the departure of the visa applicant to be harmed. This goes doubly for children of the relationship. Other factors could include whether or not the unlawfulness or the specific circumstances that brought them to this point were outside of their control, uh, this also could include whether there's circumstances in the visa applicant's home country that would make it difficult for them to depart and apply for a visa outside of Australia. Uh, it also can look at the particular vulnerabilities of the visa applicant themselves. Perhaps they have no family members back in their home country. Perhaps they have limited funds and would be significantly financially disadvantaged by having to depart Australia. Although in and of itself, that's not a factor that's likely to, to enliven the, the compelling aspect of the waiver. But certainly in, in um, connection, cumulatively, it's likely to assist. Furthermore, we could look at the health or the mental health of the visa applicant and ask whether the requirement to depart Australia would be unduly uh, burdensome uh, to the extent where that would become a, com a compelling circumstance to allow them to stay on shore. Additionally, the constraints that have been put in place following the COVID-19 pandemic has meant that individuals from certain countries are very unlikely to return to Australia or 
may be at significant health risk if they return to their home country. That type of consideration in and of itself wouldn't constitute a compelling circumstance. That is to say, if you did an application and said, we can't depart Australia because of COVID-19, if that was the only factor that was being put, it's very unlikely that a case officer would hold that to be compelling. But in connection with the factors that we've previously explored, certainly that's one more consideration that the case officer may take into account. So in summing up, in establishing compelling circumstances, there's quite an obligation on the visa applicant to demonstrate that if the minister weren't to allow, or the case officer as the case may be, if the case officer weren't to allow them to continue with the partner visa, there really would be a significant detrimental impact to the extent where it can only be characterized as uh, being a compelling circumstance. If that does occur, then the case officer does have the discretion to proceed with the visa application no, long, no matter how long the individual has been unlawful in the community for. Irvin. Cool. Thank you so much, Simon, for unpacking uh, potential pathways and the relevant factors to be considered uh, for unlawful non-citizens to apply for a partner visa. Was there anything else you wanted to add? Certainly. So for individuals in this circumstance, we are going to strongly recommend that they do consider seeking immigration advice. One key thing to keep in mind is the uh, partner visa with the Schedule 3 waiver on the basis of compelling circumstances does have a number of complex rules associated with it and complex time of application requirements and furthermore does require the payment of a $7,790 visa application charge. So those things in combination mean that going down this route does have the potential to be risky and there are a number of things, number of things that can be, can be basically, um, I would say they, they are pitfalls which could ensnare an unsuspecting visa applicant if there's no prior knowledge. So we do strongly recommend individuals in this pathway do seek migration advice. But a word of hope on that note is that even if you have been unlawful in the Australian community for a long period of time, that there are ways for you to uh, regularise your status and potentially seek and achieve permanent residency in Australia. This is obviously most of interest to individuals who are in a long-term relationship with children and to whom the prospects of having to leave their partner after such a long period of time are, are no longer in contemplation and a, and, a des and they are in a situation where there is a desperate need for, for a pathway to PR. If you are in that circumstance, then we'd love to talk with you and explore your options potentially through this particular pathway. Awesome. Uh, we might wrap, wrap it up there. Once again, thank you, Simon, for joining us today. And thank you for everyone for listening. And be sure to look out for our next Legal Chatter podcast. Thank you, Evan. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Corny and Lind Legal Chatter podcast. Stay tuned for the next episode of Corny and Lind Legal Chatter. If you require specific legal advice for your situation, contact us directly on 0732520011 or go to www.cornyandlind.com.au forward slash contact.